Welcome to Mountain Grace, the weekly sermon from John White, priest at St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Camillus, New York. This week we're marking All Saints and All Souls, the annual celebration and remembrance of the intercommunion of the living and the dead in the body of Christ. A reading from the Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. The souls of the righteous are in the hand of God, and no torment will ever touch them. In the eyes of the foolish they seem to have died, and their departure was thought to be a disaster, and their going from us to be their destruction, but they are at peace. For though in the sight of others they were punished, their hope is full of immortality. Having been disciplined a little, they will receive great good, because God tested them and found them worthy of himself. Like gold in the furnace he tried them and like a sacrificial burnt offering, he accepted them. In the time of their visitation, they will shine forth and will run like sparks through the stubble. They will govern nations and rule over peoples, and the Lord will reign over them forever. Those who trust in him will understand truth, and the faithful will abide with him in love, because grace and mercy are upon his holy ones, and he watches over his elect. So today we're celebrating All Saints. All Saints Day, of course, is actually November 1st, and it's part of this sort of tritium holidays of All Hallows' Eve, All Saints, and, and All Souls, where we remember all of those who have come before, both the, the great saints, you know, the ones with saint in front of their name, like, like um, St. Francis or St. Luke. But we also remember the, the other saints, all of the folks who, who have been a part of our lives, who have been a part of the church over generations and centuries and millennia, who have carried on Jesus' message. And, and, you know, Halloween it comes from, there was a pagan holiday that they kind of adopted. And, and the idea was that on that night, the barrier between the living and the dead was sort of lowered and, and the dead could be amongst us. And, and I think the reason the church sort of kind of adopted that is because we know that in Christ, the barrier between the living and the dead is always opened, that we are not forever separated, but that in some way that is beyond our understanding, the dead remain with us in God. And that, that we too know that when our bodies die, that is, that is not the end of, of who we are or, or our existence. And that we are promised that in some day, when Jesus returns, we will be resurrected and all of us will be together again. And so at the heart of Christianity is this idea that we are part of this long, unbroken chain of relationships. And it started with Jesus and the disciples he called, who he invited to follow me. And on through the centuries and down the generations, each of us has been asked that same question on behalf of Christ. Follow me. 
And so we come together on this All Saints Day especially to remember those who have been a part of our life, who have been a part of our faith, who, who are with us, we know, but yet are absent. And we remember them and we, and we hold them up. And I've had the fortune this week, I, um, you know, I redid the library. And there's kind of a blank yellow wall over there. And I thought, you know, it would be really nice is if we had some pictures from the history of the church that, that we could put up. And so, so I went down into the basement and I found the, the dusty box that said archives and, and marker along the side. And I pulled it out and, I, and I've been going through pictures. And I'll be honest with you, you guys were not very good about saving stuff. Um, <laughs> And you had, I don't know whose idea it was, but someone had the great idea that what we should say were the negatives of the pictures. And so there are hundreds of negatives, um, but there's not a photo mat across the street to go drop them off at. So that's a little inconvenient. But, but there are some things, and I pulled out some things, and I wanted to share them with you because it was, it was exciting for me as a relative newcomer to, to kind of dive into this history that many of you have actually lived, that this story of this community is something that we all share, whether we've been here for 60 years or 60 minutes. And the, and the first thing I, I, I found was, was this picture. You can't really see it very well, I suppose, but it's the altar being set up, and it says the people in here are Freya and Shirley Hoyt and Duncan and Marie Johnston. And what's really interesting is they're setting up the... the the altar, and it's, it's the, I know the picture was taken in November of 1955, so maybe All Saints Day. Who knows? But what's really interesting is in 1955, this place didn't exist. This is at the Baptist church where, the, where we started in the village. And so every week, these people, I assume they probably had a rota, but this week it was the Hoyts and Johnston's turn to haul the stuff out and set up the altar in the Baptist church. And what I really love about this picture is all of this stuff that's sitting on the altar, it's still here. Those candles are these candles, and those candles and that cross are the candles and the cross, and, and the book stand is this book stand. And so these treasures that they had gathered that these people loved for years probably, three or four years I think, every week they had to go into the church and set it up and they, they gathered these, these precious items and they continue to use them. And so these, these things, uh, these, these objects, these relics, tell part of our story. And, and it came to a time where they, I guess they got tired of lugging around the stuff every week. And they said, the time has come to build now. And they sent everybody a mailing. And they had a picture of what the church might look like. It, it didn't turn out exactly like this. Because this one is about uh, twice as big as what we have. And for those on the altar guild, it also has a little building off the side, which I'm guessing would have been a really nice sacristy had they built it. <laughs> and, and they sent this out to the community and they said, are we prepared for a mature spiritual growth? One that shows that we are ready to continue the material growth of these past two years from 16 families St. Luke's has grown to over 60. And, and actually, that's about where we are now. We have about 100 households. Our Sunday school has increased from 21 to 47. And we are beginning to crowd the Baptists in their rightful home. And the arrival of the Reverend Robert Haven provides us with the leadership necessary for the development of our rich potential. 
So they gathered the money and they bought the property and they waited and they hired the architects and they, and they built the building. And there's some fascinating pictures of them putting the place together. And then on October 13, 1957, they dedicated this building, the space that we're in right now, for use as a place of worship. This is one of the, the bulletins. And it's been, I think, mimeographed because the paper's crooked. I don't think you would type crooked. So. But I want to share what the prayer was on that very first time that a community calling itself St. Luke's gathered in this space. And it said, Peace be to this house and to all who enter here. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Some of us who are here, maybe we're there, I don't know, but, but some of us have been here a long time, and some of us have been here a short time, but all of us together owe a sort of gratitude, a debt to, to those people, those 16 families who had the idea that a community gathered in our tradition in this place was, was worth their time and their effort and their commitment. And they built this this place of worship, this place that is the gateway to heaven, the house of God. And they, they, they gave us these, these precious things that, that we use to, to focus our worship. And they built this beautiful building in that beautiful window that is making the people over here squint a little bit because they're in the wrong angle. But the truth is that if all of this disappeared tomorrow, if the objects got melted down and the place burned down in a fire because lightning hit it. The real legacy that those people left us would not be gone. That yeah, they've given us this beautiful building and they've, they've granted us these beautiful treasures that, that help us in worship. But the real legacy that they have given us is, is a community gathered in Christ's name, people coming together to serve the community that they exist in to make it a better place, a place where people can thrive the way that God wants them to thrive and a place where we can serve one another, where we can be together in the, in the joyous times, baptisms and weddings and anniversaries and, and in the griefs and the deaths and the losses and the divorces and the and the, the struggles with addiction, that in the highs and the lows, and the good and the bad, that this remains a house of God, a gateway to heaven. And it's not this place that is a house of God, it is the collective will of those who gather here. So that if someday we had to stand in the smoking ruins, it would still be a house of God, because it, God lives within us. And when we come together, we, we erect a, t a tabernacle of the God who loves us and cares for us, cares for us enough to have become incarnate through his son and to show us by his example of his life and especially of his death, how we might follow in those footsteps. And that the stories of the saints, and that means the, the great saints of the calendar and the in the small saints who made our lives holy. That their legacy continues in us. That the seeds they have planted bear fruit in us. That we are the culmination 
of their efforts. But we're also the seed planters and the weed pullers of the generations that will occupy these seats after all of us are long gone. When, when we someday hold up a picture from last night's dinner and go, oh yeah, I, I think that's Jerry Wright, that guy. Yeah, he was something else. And, and that's Marie, she had a beautiful voice. And that's Father John, we were glad when he left. But, <laughs> but someday, people we don't even know maybe will be here and they will continue this legacy that we have received because, because the multitude of the saints that surrounds us is something that we, we remain a part of. And that when we are walking the road of faith, that when we are, are faced with obstacles, when we, we feel like we are faced with a challenge that we, we can't believe we could possibly do something like that, like build a glorious house of worship or, or grow a Sunday school, when those things seem so hard that we can take comfort in knowing that we aren't doing it alone, but we are continuing in this, this long stream, this, this thronging cloud of witnesses around us. And we can be heartened by knowing that, that right now, today, in our lives, we are planting seeds that will bear fruit for those in the future. That we are part of this continuum of those who have gone before, those who are with us, and those who are yet to come. And on all saints, that's what we remember. We remember primarily that we are people connected to God, and those bonds cannot be sundered by death. That death is not the final word for us in our individual lives and in the community of faith, but abundant everlasting life. Amen.